This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio helps brands build relationships across any distance, delivering email marketing moments your customers will appreciate, remember, and share in good times and bad. And since it's all driven by real-time e-commerce data, you can make sure every interaction feels more personal. When you have a 360-degree view of a customer, the growth possibilities are endless. Visit clavio.com slash duct tape to schedule a demo. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash duct tape. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Dr. Ivan Meisner. He's the founder and chairman of the business networking organization called BNI. He's been called the father of modern networking by CNN and the networking guru by Entrepreneur Magazine. He's the author of numerous books. He's a previous guest on this show and uh, I like to call a longtime friend. So Ivan, welcome. Absolutely. Back. Absolutely, John. Thank you so much. And, and, and yeah, please call me Ivan. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great to be back on. Well, I got to throw that doctor part in there just to get the PhD in there. So, you know. Yeah, we know what PhD stands for, don't you? <laughs> I'm sure you're going to tell me. Pilot higher and deeper. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for those people, I mean, obviously many, many, many people know what BNI is, but just briefly explain the BNI model. Yeah. So BNI is a business and professional networking organization. We allow one person per profession to join uh, one of our groups uh, we now have over 9,500 groups in more than 70 countries around the world. Uh, last year, the organization passed uh, 12.3 million referrals. We generated 16.7 billion, with a B, $16.7 billion worth of business for our members. Now, just so you know, John, that's more than twice the gross domestic product for the country of Liechtenstein. Nice. Okay, it's a small country, but still, <laughs> how cool is it that we could generate as much business as a small nation in the world? Look at a bigger nation next year. I, I think actually the first time you were on this show, which is more than a decade ago, uh, believe it or not, uh, I think you were at 4,000 chapters maybe. So incredible, incredible growth. Yeah. So let's just put it on the table. Networking gets a bad rap sometimes. Um, yeah. You know, how, how, um, how have you been able to uh, – uh, to actually make it an intentional practice that is not something that people hate doing? Well, I think the, the problem uh, that some people have with networking is that uh, either they're doing it wrong or it's being done wrong to them. To them. Um, so I, I did an event a few years ago in London. There were about 900 people there. It was an all-day event. And I don't know what possessed me, but for some reason I, I started – I never start my presentations with a question, but I asked two questions. I saw a lot of um, – face-to-face -face cold calling taking place at this event. Yeah. And so I said, just out of curiosity, how many of you are here hoping, raise your hands if you're hoping to, you know, maybe just possibly sell something? John, 900 people raised their hands. Sure. I said, okay, great. Second question, how many of you are here hoping to, you know, maybe just possibly buy something? <laughs> no one raised their hands. Not one single person. This is what I call the networking disconnect. People show up at networking events wanting to sell, but almost nobody's there to buy. And so what we try to teach people is that uh, networking is more about farming than it is about hunting. It's about cultivating relationships with other people. And that's why you want to network. And networking is very powerful. I did one. I did a book um, where we surveyed 12,000 people and 91% of the 12,000 people, and it wasn't just B&I members, it was open to the public, said uh, that networking's played a role in their success. So networking is important. Most people know it. 
uh, but they just don't like it because it's being done wrong to yeah. them. Yeah, and I and I think the point that you're really making there is a lot of the point of networking or building relationships is not because you're going to sell to that person, but you're going to sell to who they know or who they influence. Well, that's right. It, it, you know, it's about the people they know. It's not just about them. <laughs> Certainly in BNI, if, if BNI members only did business with BNI members, we wouldn't be talking about the numbers we're doing. Right, right. It's about somebody listening and, and learning the language of referrals, learning how to listen for referrals, teaching people how to listen for referrals so that uh, fellow members can refer each other. Because, yeah. you know, referrals are very powerful and and, and they really, um, they, they close at a much higher ratio. So we want people to refer other people. Yeah. Yeah. And they tend to, you know, if, if I know, if I'm an ideal client, then there's a pretty good chance that that's who my circle of friends are as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're right. Networks tend to be clumpy. That's yeah. the technical term. Yeah. Um, they, 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 they tend to be, you know, we, we hang out with people that are a lot like us. Yeah. It may be, and, and we automatically, we think of uh, ethnicity, but it goes way beyond that. It could be age. It could be education. Uh, just, it could be, yeah. you know, uh, various demographics. Yeah. And so your point is right on. Yeah. I mean, I was good friends with all the parents of my kids' parents, you know, or my kids. I, I screwed that up, but you know what I mean? When they were, you know, when they were in school, that's who my circle of friends were. And that's kind of where you are in your cycle in life. Yeah. Um, so, so talk a little bit about how, I mean, because now the new cold calling is going on for me, at least on LinkedIn, uh, you know, and so, you know, how, how have these, uh, how have these kind of online tools changed the networking game as far as you're concerned for both well, good and bad? Yeah. And, and the, the, the cold calling on LinkedIn drives me crazy. It's like, um, you know, I haven't even, I haven't even met you and you know, you want to do business. Um, so I have for years talked about, and you've probably heard me talk about what I call the VCP process, visibility, credibility, profitability. First, you have to be visible. People have to know who you are and what you do. Then you have to establish credibility and that takes time. That's where they know who you are. They know what you do. They know you're good at it. And then and only then can you get to profitability where people know who you are. They know what you do and uh, they know you're good at it and they're willing to refer you yeah. to people. So um, it's, it works that this idea of the networking disconnect works even faster online. Yeah. It, it works at light speed right. online. So we can, we can and often do try to jump over visibility, over credibility, and get right to profitability, which in one of my books, by the way, I call that premature solicitation, which you don't <laughs> want to say fast three times. Uh, and that's a mistake. So, you know, LinkedIn should be, as, as any network, it should be about building a relationship with somebody. Yeah, and I think a lot of people look at it and say, oh, what's the cost, right? I mean, I could do thousands of these now. What's the cost? I get one or two good leads out of it, you know, day day's done. But I mean, I think ultimately the cost to your brand is immense, isn't it? It is. You know, the old expression, it never hurts to ask. Yeah. Uh, I think it's dead wrong. It definitely hurts to ask because you'll never, if you ask too soon, especially if you're networking up, if you're networking with somebody who's more successful than you, and the first thing you do, or one of the first things you do is ask for business, ask for a referral. That's a huge mistake because now they're not only not going to do business with you, most likely, they're not going to refer anyone else because you've, you've asked before there was a relationship. Yeah. And networking, you know, it's about building your social capital in the same way you build financial capital. Banks have this crazy idea that, you, you know, when you write a check, you should put money in first. And, <laughs> and the same thing I think applies in networking. Before you ask for something, you should invest in the relationship first. 
Yeah, and that's a really good point. I think a lot of times people try to look to that idea. I know when I first started podcasting, um, I realized that if I could have somebody on my show, that was valuable to them potentially because they had a new oh, project yeah. or something coming out. And and boy, did that make it a lot easier to then go, oh, by the way, <laughs> um, because you know there was a little bit of, you got my attention because you were there to give first. Is that a solid sort of principle or can you take that too far? Which one that uh, the interviewer and interviewee? <laughs> no, no, no. More, more about. In fact, I think I think I maybe had you on, and then you blurbed my first book. As a matter of fact, Ivan. But, uh, <laughs> but, but this idea of I'm I'm going to like give something of value to you, and then you owe me. Not not that that well, you owe me, but but that it creates that reciprocity. Yeah, it it can't be transactional. Yeah, um, yeah. And so that's important. Yeah. If it's if if it's transactional, it doesn't work. It has to be relational. Yeah. But this idea of investing in somebody, I'm gonna give you an example. I have a friend who I know from another organization who reached out to me once and he, he had this idea. And I'm like, you know, Alex, I'm not really looking to do something. He said, No, no, no. I want to experiment with it. I'd like to use you. It's not gonna cost you anything other than yeah. a little time. Let me help you with it. And help you, it'll help me. And I'm like, okay. I thought he had an ulterior motive. He didn't. This guy would call me up every couple of months with some new idea. And he would, you know, and, and I, he'd experiment with me and it benefited me, it benefited him. But he just poured into me, John, for like a year. And one day he called me up and he said, Ivan, I have a favor to ask. And I said to him, Alex, the answer is yes. What will I be doing? He said, I haven't even told you what it is. He said, Alex, you have spent a year pouring into me and just doing things and not asking for anything. Um, I, I absolutely owe something in this relationship because you've invested in me. So what will I be doing? And it, his ask for me was so simple, but for him, it was important. And I said, are you kidding? That's an easy yes. And I did it. That's an example of pouring into somebody before you ask them for something. Yeah. So uh, part of the BNI model is built on uh, weekly in-person meetings. So uh, we, you and I are recording this in June of 2020. We all know the world is undergoing this uh, health epidemic, yeah. uh, pandemic. Um, how, how has BNI evolved uh, during the time of no meetings? Yeah. So, you know, interesting. I wrote an article for Entrepreneur two years ago that said the future of face-to-face -face is going to be online. And when that came out, my organization was like, what? Yeah. Are you insane? You're the founder of the world's largest networking organization. I mean, 9,500 in-person weekly meetings. That's what BNI is or was. And so I said, I think that's the future. And little did I know, I thought it was because of technology. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't, you know, my crystal ball didn't see a pandemic. So luckily, I think I planted the seed uh, I know, I, I don't know if you know this, I don't run uh, BNI anymore. I'm now the Colonel Sanders of BNI. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sort of the spokesperson and the chief visionary officer. Um, but luckily, the management of BNI, uh, particularly Graham Weimiller, uh, the CEO, he, he was looking around a corner and he saw this coming and he transitioned starting uh, in China and then moving to Italy, all of our in-person meetings to online. And within weeks, uh, certainly by March, uh, 9,500 BNI meetings online using the same format. You could you could go to a BNI online meeting and you'd recognize it as a normal BNI meeting, except it's on a platform where everybody gets to you know see each other on, on a computer. So uh, it's we've been okay. 
um, we, we realized that we were either going to get disrupted or we could lead the disruption. We chose to lead yeah. the disruption. Now, I think when this is over and it's safe, uh, I think what's likely the genie's out of the bottle. Yeah. I think there may be, um, I think most of the groups are going to go back to in-person, but they might go back to a hybrid, mm-hmm. some in-person, some online. Uh, but eventually, as the technologies get more and more effective and mixed reality, 3D technologies, holographic images, uh, as that happens, you know, I, 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 you know, I think of Star Wars and the Jedi Knights sitting around a room. When we get to that point, I want to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, you know, it's interesting. There was so much change that, you know, people resisted. Yeah. Um, you know, we've always done them in person. Well, are you kidding me? Why would we do, you know, otherwise? So they resisted that change. And when they were forced to, I think you're absolutely right. So people kind of went, oh, this isn't so bad. <laughs> um, so I think you're right. I think a lot of that behavior is maybe going to be with us. Um, you know, you think about conferences. I mean, yeah. you know, when are we going to have 10,000 people in a, you know, in a, auditorium again right so I, well. I, and 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 the technology as you said i mean zoom i, I assume you are using like uh, many people uh is yeah. innovated more in the last 30 45 days than they did for the five years i used them um yeah. you know and and i think it just obviously it's forced and i think that you're you're going to see as you said large in-person event or i mean uh online virtual events that will have breakout rooms and they'll have a trade show floor that you can walk. And uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think what's likely to happen is uh, we're going to move to hybrid sooner. Right. I mean, right yeah. now there, all of the events I'm going to are online. Yep. Yep. And I'm doing conferences online. Yeah. But uh, I think what's likely is that there'll be a hybrid yeah, that show up in person uh, and it's this amount show up online. It can be this amount. And I think you're going to see that happen um, more and more until maybe at some point it'll be predominantly online, but nothing beats that yeah. face-to-face, yeah. three-dimensional face-to-face. Yeah. No, I think you're, I think you're right. That first sales call, you know, where it's just going to get to know, do a little discovery. I think that we're not going to jump on a plane and go do that <laughs> anymore. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm, I'm with you that, you know, I, I can't, I can tell you how many times, you know, I've had a relationship with, because we've done work virtually for years and uh, I have a relationship with somebody and it's, you know, it's good. It's good. We do business. And then we go meet each other and we spend a day together. And then it's like, you know, how can we find ways to do more? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it really cements the relationship, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 You know, I work with some authors, uh, co-authors on various books. Right. And one of the things, some of them um, I've only talked to on the phone. Some I've only met a handful of times. One of the things I do is we get together in person, I mean, I just got together with two co-authors from the UK. Yeah, came to my home, and not we made more progress right. by sitting around a table talking throughout the day and in the evening and over dinner than we would have ever online. And uh, in person, still the most powerful. What worries me about times like this, whether you're talking about a recession, which we're likely to move into after the yeah. pandemic. Or, or the pandemic is that people get frozen in fear. Yep. I see so many people frozen in fear. And I try to tell certainly my members, don't get frozen in fear. Let fear focus you. Because if you, if you become focused on what you need to do when this is over and what you can do now, 
then you're going to come out of this way ahead of your competition. Uh, I, I really believe in, in having hope, creating a plan, and taking action. And when you do that, you, you, that's focus. And I think, you know, you and I have been uh, around doing this long enough. We've been through some uh, interesting times, probably none, nothing quite that parallels this exactly, but certainly some downturns and um, some, some you know, kind of weird uh, business environments. And I think you, by going through those experiences, I think you do see that, like, what comes out on the other side um, in some cases might be better. Um, I know certainly a lot of folks that 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 reach have reached out to me that that were maybe they were happy, they were comfortable, life was great, yeah. the economy was great, and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh crap, we want to hold on to this." <laughs> and so, what do we need to be doing differently? And yeah. and that that mindset actually, uh, you know, for a lot of consultants who I deal or work with, um, you know, was is an opportunity. <laughs> It is. Um, yeah. And, and so, you know, obviously there are a lot of businesses hanging on for dear life uh, as well, but there certainly are a lot of businesses that are, you know, are, are trying to understand, uh, you know, where to go. Uh, and, next. and reinventing themselves. I just heard one yesterday that just blew me away. It was an amazing story. A, a BNI member that ran a um, escape room, you know, those yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, things where they put you in a room and you got to get all these clues. Well, he was like, I'm out of business. Yeah. I'm out of business because in an escape room, people touch everything. Sure. Yeah. Everything. So you can't possibly sanitize everything. And who's going to get a, who's going to do a team building with a bunch of their employees. (laughs) Let's go go lock ourselves in a closet. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) So, so one of the BNI members said, do a virtual escape room. Yeah. And he said, it's you can't do that. And they said, yeah, we think you can. And we'll be, get, we'll be your guinea pigs, create something and, and let's try it out and you can work out the details. And so he said, well, what do I have to lose? I got plenty of time. He did this virtual escape. And one of the BNI members asked, Hey, can I, I got a friend that would like to come because she does a lot of escape rooms, team building globally. And so she came, it was awesome she bought a package from him for a bunch of escape exercises for her team around the world. Now this guy's got a new business. Yeah. Not only the physical escape room local to his community, but now he can do virtual escape and the world is his potential client. And so people that are really getting creative can come out of this, come out the other side as successful or more successful. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the growth marketing platform most recommended by other business leaders. In uncertain times, supporting your community and growing relationships with your customers is a strategy that will be appreciated, remembered, and shared. In good times and bad, open and empathetic communication with your customers is key. Email is and always will be one of the best channels for delivering these communications. Visit Clavio.com slash duct tape to schedule a demo. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash duct tape. Well, and I'll tell you another opportunity that a lot of people aren't talking about is you think about um, the, the escape room business in general, just since you use that example. Uh, many of them have shut their doors. I mean, they're done. You know, they're, it's, it's over, right? Well, there's a lot of people that want, there's, want to do that experience still. And so there are not only displaced businesses, there are a lot of displaced customers. 
Yes. Um, and I think that right now is when we should be going to our customers and talking about referrals. Who do yeah. you know that has been displaced? I mean, again, I, I, obviously there are lots of ways that you want to communicate that in a, in a positive manner. But the, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of people that need us. Yes. And, and I think, you know, also in a time like this, your network becomes your support network. You bet. You your bet. referral network can also become your, your support network. You bet. And I've seen members gather together. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the very most of the chapters worldwide, the first online meeting was not quite a normal meeting. It was a little bit more like, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, are you doing okay? And those people that were really struggling, a lot of the members said, let's do a one-to-one, a virtual one-to-one. Yeah. And I'll walk you through. I'll give you some ideas. Let's brainstorm together. And so that those first couple of meetings weren't quite a normal BNI meeting because it was a it became a support network yeah, that very much each other up. Yeah. And that's the power of having a personal network, yeah. a good personal network. Yeah. No, I, I have a network of consultants. Uh, that that uh, you know license our methodology and and we did the exact same thing. We meet all the time because we're doing all kinds of training, but we just set up a nine a.m. Friday morning meetup. No agenda. <laughs> it's like yeah. how's how's everybody doing? And for six or seven weeks, it was therapy. Yeah, um, you know. So I, yeah, yeah. And I think I think I think that's really was probably the message that came out of the, uh, out of all this to me is is when you know when you have good customer network relationships, you know, you can really lean into those. Yeah. 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 So you can also take an opportunity in your business to refresh your business in some way. I'm one of the things that BNI did. We did something crazy, and a lot of our franchises were like, why are you doing this? We actually refreshed our entire brand. Ah, yeah. We refreshed the virtual look, the logo. It had been more than 10 years or about 10 years since we had done it. So we wanted to come out of this as a refreshed brand, same program, refreshed brand, maybe not quite the same. We might be doing the hybrid, but <laughs> this is an opportunity to not only refresh yourself mentally, but professionally uh, as well. Yeah, and take a good hard look at uh, who you're serving. Is that who you want to be serving? Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that's certainly another element. Um, you know, there's a lot of businesses that have taken business over the years because that's who showed up and, you know, it may not be who they should be serving. So. That's right. And it, and it gives a lot of people the opportunity to, the ones who are really understand, the ones who understand that you can work with disruption, uh, they've actually done really well. I mean, here's another story. Um, furniture re- reupholstery shop. Really? I mean, yeah. it was not an essential business. Yeah. She had to close down. And she's like, okay, I got to think here. And she brainstormed with her members. And they came up with a great idea. You got tons of cloth. Why not be a COVID uh, mask uh, manufacturer sure. on the interim? And, and it was like, oh my goodness, yes. So she actually went from upholstery, reupholstering to COVID masks yeah. and made such great masks that the members then started telling hospital friends and nurses. And so she's selling a ton of masks. And has reinvented herself, at least on an interim. Sure. To keep those doors open and keep the employees working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you got to be creative right now. Yeah. Don't be frozen in fear. So I'm going to throw you a curve. Do you mind if we, oh. if, yeah, mind if we swerve a little bit? Hey, wait a minute. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, yeah. You, you wrote a book about a year ago with your wife. Yeah. Uh, healing can be easy. How I create yeah. healed. I'm sorry, cancer with the body mind. Um, I wrote uh, last year a very very different book for my for me as well. It's a 
uh, almost has a spiritual bent to it as, as listeners will know, called the self-reliant entrepreneur. Um, and that was a, that was an amazing experience for me for a year. Now you, I wonder if you could talk about your experience, obviously, obviously there was a physical journey in there, but then to, uh, to kind of take it to the, uh, uh the mind as well. Uh, um, I, I wonder if you can share some thoughts on that experience. Yeah. Well, that the healing can be easy as Beth's story of her, uh, her, and, and I co-authored it, but it's her main story about her, uh, treating her cancer diagnosis. She right. had diagnosed with breast cancer. We had a previous book called uh, Healing Begins in the Kitchen, which was my story uh, of um, my the, my cancer. I had uh, was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And what we both did was we both dealt with it holistically, which, by the way, when I was diagnosed eight years ago with cancer, I was told I had six months to get surgery. Mm. It has been eight years. I have still not had to do radiation surgery or chemotherapy. I was a total Western medicine guy. So my journey and Elizabeth's journey was that Western medicine is very powerful in some ways. And in some ways there are other alternatives and under doctors, supervisions who are holistic doctors, um, we were able to cure or go into remission both uh, in my, my cancer and hers through holistic means. And hers was very much even more mental than mine. Uh, she is a Qigong master mm. and uh, we're both black belts in karate. So there was, you know, a lot of meditation was part of it. And I just didn't meditate before. Yeah. Changing the way I ate, reducing the stress levels. I mean, I earned this gray hair. <laughs> you know, running B&I for 30 years, I earned it. So, um, you know, learning how to release stress. These are the kinds of things that we talk about in the book. So people who want to either add an alternative to what they're doing or want to seek an alternative to a health issue under a doctor's supervision. I'm not a medical doctor. Um, That it's a great, they're great books to help people get through that. Yeah. And I I think the main message in that is I I do think that a lot, you talk about Western medicine. I think Western medicine is I'm, I'm sick. I go to the doctor. I do what the doctor says. Um, that's the basis of it. Um, and I think that the real message in that is, is I think we have to take charge of our own health. Uh, and, and that's however you decide that you need to decide that rather than let somebody else tell you. You're absolutely right. It's, uh, and in both books, we talk about the fact that you have to be the captain of your own ship. And what happens is, and I had a doctor and my wife was sitting right there and the doctor stood up got in my face and pointed at me and said, you need radiation right now. And, you know, it's frightening when a medical doctor yeah, 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 yeah. You know, gets in your face. And I had, I stood up and I said to him, I pointed back at him and I said, I'm not going to get radiation right now. <laughs> I said, if I really believe I need it, I will. But first I want to try these things. And I'm so glad I did because the side effects yeah. can be horrible. Yeah, and, yeah, and you know, the side, side effects of eating organic lettuce are not so bad, are they? Not so bad. <laughs> not so bad. Yeah. People think that you, you know, that you have to eat rabbit food for the rest of your life, and you don't. There are things that you want to stay away from, like sugars, yeah. processed foods, organic food is much better. A Mediterranean diet or a China diet—they're both uh, t- different types of diets. Those kinds of foods, I eat like a king. Yeah but I eat healthy yeah. and um, I don't, I don't do sugar. I just don't do sugar anymore. Yeah. 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 Honey is okay, but no processed sugar. Yeah. 
Well, sorry we veered there. I'm just no, I, I had a personal interest actually myself just in in that because I I believe very much in the in the alternative stuff as well. So because I'm you know I'm like you I'm 60 by the last five physicals they said take this 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 and I said no I'm not going to <laughs> and so um, yeah. I, you know that's kind of the camp I'm in as well. Yeah, you know Hippocrates. Uh, he's known for the Hippocratic Oath, yeah. but Hippocrates also said, let food be your medicine and medicine right. your food. Yeah. And I think uh, Western medicine, who, again, I was totally Western medicine until I discovered that, hey, I, I you know, this is working. Um, I, I think Western medicine sometimes misses that. But anyway, uh, healing, can begin in the, healing begins in the kitchen, my story, and a, a recipe book. And Bess's Healing Can Be Easy. Both great books if you're if you want to get in a better place holistically. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that story, Ivan. It was great catching up with you. And uh, uh, do you want to tell people uh, obviously bni.com, but any, anywhere else you want to um, send people to find out more information about you and your books and your work? Sure, bni.com. Great place if you're interested in in trying out a BNI online chapter. All of them are online right now. Eventually. I'll be back in person. And if anyone's interested, um, I have a blog, IvanMeisner.com, which, John, I don't know if you remember. Of course I but do. That, okay, that's an outgrowth <laughs> of a blog that I started with Duct Tape Marketing. That's right. That's right. I, I wrote a blog with you for a while and yeah. and eventually um, transitioned it over to my own blog. But uh, so you you were the genesis. I, t- I turned a lot of people on to blogging. Yeah. yeah. You did. <laughs> you turned me on to it because I was not particularly interested until I did uh, the Duct Tape Marketing yeah. blog under networking. Uh, so IvanMeisner.com. I've got years of free content up there for people. Awesome. Well, Ivan, it was great uh, catching up with you, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll run into you next time we can both get out there on the road. Thanks, my friend. 